let's take our Bibles today and turn with me, please, to um, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and getting back to our um, study of the book of Luke. And in chapter 5, you've noticed that we, the hymns that we sung today have to do with Christ living in us and dying for us and calling us. And so you may have noticed in the bulletin the title of this morning's message, The Call of Christ. And we're going to probably take two weeks, um, two Sundays to deal with this, um, The Call of Christ. As it's mentioned in Scripture, there's four things or four aspects of Christ's call on people that I want us to look at. And this morning it will be the call of discipleship and the call of repentance. And then, Lord willing, Next week, the call to walk worthy and the call to work. And so God calls us, Luke 5, and starting in verse 27. And, and after these things, he, that is Jesus, went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Before I pray, a question for you. How many sinners do we have in our in our building this morning? Oh, yeah, right. All right. Amen. Good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we thank thee that, yes, uh, we were sinners, and God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and we're thankful for that, and that he rose again, and he's, we've already read about and sung about Father, I pray that as we look into thy word today and just a couple of examples of the call of Christ, Father, wherever, however you would call us, perhaps there's someone here today that needs to be called to repentance, um, perhaps someone called to service. We just uh, commit this time unto thee now, praying for the help of the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, book of Luke, chapter 5, obviously Jesus is in early in his earthly ministry. He's already been teaching, preaching, he's already been working miracles, um, but he, he's now calling more of his disciples. And so, um, that's the first thing we want to talk about this morning, is the call to discipleship. Jesus Christ had already uh, kind of stirred up a controversy, so to speak, when he healed the man. Remember a couple weeks ago, um, we looked at Luke 5 and the verses prior to verse 27 about the, the Jesus being in the house and preaching, and these four men brought one of their friends who was paralyzed. Um, they couldn't find a way to get him in the house, and so they got up on the roof, flat roofs in those days for the most part. A lot of them had stairways, whatever, so they went up there, and they made a hole in the roof, and they let him down. And then the Bible says, uh, verse 20, look there if you would please for, to get our context, Luke 5.20, And when he, that is Jesus, saw their faith, he said unto him, that is to the paralyzed man, he said, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And boy, did that stir up opposition. 
because it says in verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now they were half right. Of course, a half-truth is the most dangerous lie or error. They were right when they said, Who can forgive sins but God? Only God can take away sin. All right, I mentioned that last time. Now the Bible says that we are to forgive one another when we sin against each other, but only God can remove the sin. Only he can atone for it. And so that part was right, but the part they were wrong in was they accused Jesus of blasphemy because Jesus was and is God in the flesh. He was God. He is the only begotten Son of God. And so then he explained to them that he had the power to heal, but he also had the power to forgive sins. Praise the Lord for that. And so that's one of those things that uh, verse 27 is talking about. By the way, look at verse 26. that says, They were all amazed, the multitude, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Now, in, the, in our day, of course, we use only the King James Bible, and that was translated back in the 1600s, so emphasis of words has slightly varied since then, but that's all right. That's, that's how people are. But the word strange today means like odd or peculiar. You know, you call somebody strange today. That's usually not a compliment. But in, in this day, the word that's translated strange here actually means marvelous, unusual, spectacular. And they had seen things, obviously, that they had never seen before. Jesus' power, plus his, his preaching. And so after those, these things, what we just referred to here, he went forth, you know, Jesus is traveling on, and he saw a publican, a tax collector, named Levi, uh, sitting at the receipt of custom. And so just a little bit about that. You probably know that a publican is a word that means a tax collector. Uh, they were, in this case, a Jewish man uh, working for the Roman government. And so, as you probably also know from reading through the Gospels, the publicans were despised. They were hated by the Jewish people um, because they worked for the traitors or they worked for the Roman government. Um, and, of course, they were also hated by the Romans because the Romans hated the Jews, and they just tolerated them and used them uh, to their advantage. And so uh, this is Levi. By the way, in Matthew chapter 9, he's called Matthew. So Levi and Matthew are the same person, and in, in Matthew 9, 9, it's the same account, and it actually follows the same miracle of the healing of this man. They let him down through the roof, and so uh, the Lord called him. Now, Levi was the priestly tribe of Israel, so Matthew was named after Levi, who was the father of Aaron, and so on. So there's a heritage, there's a history there. We read that Psalm 16 this morning. David said, I have a goodly heritage, and, and he really did. And, you know, the Jewish people, the, the, the chosen people of God, and, and uh, through whom Christ came, and, and, uh, and as far as we know, the scriptures were all written by Jewish writers. And so there's a heritage there. And I always like to point out, and I was just reading recently in Isaiah, some of God's promises that he will yet save Israel. He will yet turn his attention. He will yet favor Israel. And so, uh, praise the Lord for that. And, and right now, of course, they're suffering. But God's going to turn his attention to them. But anyway, Levi 
was called. And so the receipt of custom simply means that we would say he was sitting in his tax collector's booth. So he was sitting there. Um, and in the vicinity per, of the Sea of Galilee, there would be trade going on and there were taxes that had to be paid. The word custom uh, here means it was a public tax or toll. And of course the Romans, you know, we don't realize our government system is based a lot on the Roman system and we certainly follow them as far as taxings are concerned. There was all kinds of taxes. And so when they came into the country, they had to pay and, and so on. And so this is Levi's job. And uh, he was sitting there, he was collecting the tax, individual taxes as people came in. And again, the, these were despised. Um, they were considered on the level of harlots, you know, immor immoral people, and they were despised. And so Jesus said to him, follow me. Right there in verse 27. He said unto him, follow me. The word follow, obviously if you say follow me, it means they want you to follow. Maybe probably when you, we were all kids, we played follow the leader. Remember that game? Follow the leader, and you had to do everything the leader did. Me, as a little kid, I was a chicken, so I could never be the leader because I wouldn't do anything difficult or, or dangerous. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, but that, so the idea there, even in that game, sort of captures the biblical idea of what Jesus was saying here. When you play follow the leader, you copy the leader. If he does this, you do that. If he does this, you do that. You know, and if he climbs a tree, you climb a tree. That's, that was the game. If he jumps across the ditch, whatever, you do that. But the idea of the game, and you get kicked out of the game if you, if you don't follow the leader. Well, the word follow here is the idea of accompanying, not just for a day or for a week or for a month, but it was Jesus was calling Levi, like he did the others, to a lifetime commitment. So um, the idea, the word also has the idea of being a disciple. So Levi understood exactly what Jesus was saying. Be one of my followers. Be one of my disciples. Now how do we know that? Verse 28. What does it say about Levi? He left all. In other words, he got up, rose up, the Bible says, and followed him. So he left all that money. He left all the taxes. He left everything. Just left his table, left his chair, got up, and began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, obviously he was one of the followers. He was one of the original twelve. And so he began to follow Christ immediately. Luke, earlier in the chapter, the disciples that were with Jesus in the ship, when they got to shore, they forsook all and followed him. Okay, And that's what they were supposed to do. Now obviously these 12 men were being trained by Jesus to take over the ministry when he went back to heaven. Now, they probably didn't know what that all meant at that point, but they knew they were called, Christ called them, and as when, whenever Christ calls, whenever God calls, the Holy Spirit is involved, and the Holy Spirit no doubt also moved upon these men. They might not have even understood the Holy Spirit. All right. Think about when you were saved. All right. No need to show raise your hands, but 
if how many of you were saved as a as a fairly like a child, you know, eight, ten, whatever, right? Did you know who the Holy Spirit was then? I didn't. But the Holy Spirit was the one that convicted me and, and you of your need of Christ, even if you didn't know about it. You know, that's not so unusual. In Acts 19, Paul was traveling to Ephesus. He found disciples. He found followers. And he said to them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit since you believed? Remember their answer? We don't, we've never heard, even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. They were already b- believers. And so Paul instructed them further. And the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And, and so, so even though the, we, don't, we, we, we know we know, as you grow as a believer, you certainly come to understand about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So God was calling. And, and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all involved here. Because God sent Jesus to do these things. And the Bible says he was empowered by the Holy Ghost to do these things. And so he called, and, he, and, and Levi left everything. Oh, I, I, I want to complete that thought. They were called to do the ministry. And, of course, as they went through, and as you read, and as we go proceed through the book of Luke, we will see how Jesus trained his disciples, and how he taught them principles. And then in just a few chapters, we're going to find out where Christ gave them the opportunity to begin to practice, if you will, to do the things that he was teaching them to do. And that, that's also biblical. And, um, you know, to train people and, uh, and give them things to do. And, um, you know, Jesus did that. And you know what? They messed up sometimes. They failed. They made mistakes because they're human like us. But you know what? Jesus corrected them and then just kept sending them out. Sent them out, sent them out. And so they knew that. And this, so I'm saying this. This was a special call to a life, a lifetime of service for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, We'll just hang on to that thought for just a moment. Then verse 29, it says, Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. And I read one commentary who said that probably the publicans, they knew Levi. But Levi, whether he invited these people or not, what we see here, he just got called to follow Christ, and already he's doing something very special for the Lord. And I read one commentator who said that this was the demonstration of his faith and of his commitment to follow Christ. As he, he had this big supper. That was a custom in those days, by the way, to make a feast and all that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even in the Old Testament, history of Israel, a lot of times a king or somebody would make a feast and invite people to show his honor and that sort of thing. So Levi certainly was honoring the Lord Jesus Christ at this point. So all these sinners came in. All right. Now we're going to, and this is we're going to see that. So. The call to discipleship. The Lord calls us. And we sang that hymn, excuse me. Um, Jesus calls us. He calls all of us as believers to live for him, serve him, and, and so on. And so in whatever capacity he enables us to do that. So that's the call to discipleship. 
And then we have the call to repentance. And we did that, we put discipleship first because it's first in our text. And so again, there is a criticism, just like a couple weeks ago when Jesus said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Um, Here's another one. The criticizing that went to his disciples. um, Verse number 30. But their scribes, that is the scribes of the people, and Pharisees, Luke was actually written to the to, to Gentiles, um, the Greeks, and so their scribes, and so they understand he's talking about the Jewish religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, they murmured, they complained, they criticized against his disciples, saying, I don't know if they were afraid to accuse the Lord directly. He'd already answered them once, so they went to the disciples. They, you know, they went behind the Lord's back, so to speak, and they said, Why do you eat? Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Now, I didn't think to do this, but I don't recall in Luke so far that they had done that yet. Okay, So this might have been the first time that they had a meal like this, and they're sitting there. And so um, Jesus knew their thoughts. He heard what they were saying. And so he took over. Right? Now I want us to mention, I want to mention one thing here. And I hope, I hope to point it out as we go through the book of Luke. Um, whenever anybody criticized Jesus' disciples... We find in the gospel record he always defended his disciples. Okay? He always. And if they needed some correction or rebuke, he did it privately. He corrected them, whatever. But he always stuck up for them. You know, the Lord is our defender. The Lord is our advocate. He stands up for his people. And you know what? We ought to too. We ought to stand up for one another. And we, we, especially in these days. Um, and I, I, honestly, I haven't probably done it yet, but whenever I see on the news or anything about some Christian in our country you know, being harassed and being bothered, I just want to go. I said, man, let's all just go and stand with that brother or sister and let, be, let our media, let our government know that he or she is not the only one that believes that way. There's millions of us, all right? And it would be really neat. It really would be great if every believer in the United States of America, if we stood together for the Lord and against evil. I might be be naive. I might be too optimistic, but I still believe, and I've talked to some other pastors and other Christians, I believe this. If there, there is, you know, when the election comes up, And if there's a good individual running for office, I believe with all my heart, if every believer in America, because that would be a federal election, I suppose, but every believer voted for a certain candidate, then that candidate would win. You know, I'm, I'm convinced of that. And I, and I don't, and I'm not saying, I don't know you all here, so I've talked to Christians who don't vote, all right? And yet they complain about who's in office. And that, that, that's just not right. If you don't vote, you don't have a right to say anything. But, but even in Pennsylvania, if there was a great person who was running for Senate or representative and every Christian voted for them, I tell you what, they'd win. But I see the to- turnouts. Most elections, it's less than 50%. So think about that. You know, just think. Um, um, so, but anyway, Christians, standing up, stand up, all right? You know, the, the song says, stand up for Jesus. Um, you know, we need to stand up for him, we need to stand up 
for one another. And so Jesus stands up for his disciples and he says this. No, this is wonderful. And how many times have, has this passage of scripture been used to be a blessing to somebody who's convicted of sin and somebody who's living a sinful life? Notice what Jesus says in verse number 31. After they said, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Jesus answering said unto them, Here's an illustration. They that are whole, in other words, those that are healthy, is the idea of that word. Those who are, are well need not a physician. All right? But they that are sick. All right? And that's just a general principle, Jesus said. If you're not sick, you don't need a doctor. Basically, that's what he's saying, right? Plain and simple there. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the medical illustration, doctors are for sick people. The mission of Emmanuel, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now what is he talking about? He says, not the righteous. And obviously this would be a direct rebuke of the scribes, the Pharisees, and any other rulers, any of the Jewish priests, or any other elders, or any leaders, religious leaders of Israel. Because they, for the most part, considered themselves already righteous. And in no need of salvation. No need of repentance. They, I don't, I, it's amazing that I'm not even sure if you pinned them down if they would admit they'd ever sinned one time. They, they, they just, they bristled, they repulsed the Jesus teaching that they needed to be saved and that they were sinners. And so, um, now thank God the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that there were Pharisees, there were priests who got saved. They did believe. And so that means they had to have come to see themselves as sinners. See, they were all about the righteousness of the law and keeping the tradition. By the way, you know who the Apostle Paul was, right? You might you probably read about him a time or two. What was he? He was Saul. He was a Pharisee. What was he trusting in? Righteousness keeping the law, and all those kinds of things. And he even considered persecuting Christians part of his service for God. But thank God, Saul met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and his life was dramatically changed. He realized the error of his ways, and Saul spent the rest of his life serving the, the Christ that he had denied and persecuted. So, so there, there, is, there can be, you know, but what, 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 what Jesus Christ is saying here, in essence, is this. If you think that you're already righteous, then you have, you, you have, no, you have nothing, you have no part in me. And they have to come to see that. And, but, but he says, but, sinners... To repentance. You know, the Bible says more than once throughout the Gospels, <clears throat> the common people heard him gladly. Do you know why? The common people knew they were sinners. Oh, you know, God uses all kinds of things. I, I'm, I'm thinking that God even used the hardness of the Pharisees 
and the scribes and the priests because the common people looked up to them. And they considered, they considered them, the, they, the common people considered the leaders to be righteous. And so, and you know, and the Pharisees gloated on that. I mean, they just doted on that, and they always let the people know, we're, you know, we're up here, and you're down here, and you know, we're the righteous ones, and you're the scum, and we won't, and they won't have anything to do with you. And uh, remember, and, and we'll get to there someday. Remember the the uh, the Good Samaritan, where you know the guy got beat up, the Jewish man, and the priest came by and walked away, and, and so on. Well, the Pharisee, I mean, the Pharisee, the Samaritan came and and you know helped him. And the point Jesus was making to that lawyer was, that's what it means to be a truly righteous person. Helping those who are in need, but they wouldn't even, they would not, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. In fact, Jesus said at one point, the lawyers, they bind heavy burdens on people, but will, will not lift a finger to help. And so that's what these scribes and Pharisees, I mean, they sat in their palaces and, you know, their temples and their offices and they, you know, they strutted down the street with their clothes and everything like that. And uh, the people said, man, we, we, we're, we just don't measure up. And so they knew they were sinners. And they, you know, obviously, again, Pharisees made it very clear, which was, they, that was, that was part of it, but they didn't tell them what to do about their sins because they didn't know what to do. All they had was the traditions. And so, so Jesus said, what he did come to do, he says, sinners to repentance. Okay? And so he uses the same word in English and in Greek. The end of verse 30, where it says, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? The word translated sinners there is those who violate God's law. Now, the Pharisees took that a step further. A sinner to them was also somebody who violated their traditions. Now, remember Jesus said that in vain, he said to the Pharisees, in vain you worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. So the, many of their traditions, over 600 of them, that the Pharisees had, they were traditions of men. They were not commands of God. And so they had, they had perverted the law. They'd taken it beyond what God intended. And so they, they just, they, and, and so they did this also to take advantage. The Bible says that they devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. And so they even told the people that you, if you had a parent who was destitute, uh, you couldn't, you had to give the Pharisees, you had to give the money to the temple first and he, they wouldn't let them do anything for their parents. I mean, they just, all this stuff. So the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests, they used their position to take advantage of the people, to fleece them, so to speak, to steal from them. But no, they would never help them. But so, so they kept them down, and they used the fact that they were sinners against them. So it's interesting that they said, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? That special word that means violators of the law, and Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The same exact word. So he's saying, the kind of people that you're despising are the people I came to save and to call. All right? The call to repentance. All right? Um, well, aren't you glad 
Aren't you glad? I mean, I read this verse and I'm thinking, oh dear God, that's me. I Count me in. I'm one of those. I'm not one of those righteous ones. I'm one of those sinners that you talked about and that the Pharisees despise. I'm one of those. And the guy, well, I guess I, I was going to talk about deplorables, but I better not say anything like that from this pulpit, all right? Because <laughs> we're all, never mind, we're all that, right? We're all deplorables in the eyes of certain of the higher-ups, okay? Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and so, very, very similar, all right? Very similar. Uh, that That's what the they, that's what the Pharisees, they, they, they would, that would have been, if that was a word in Hebrew, <laughs> that's what they would have called them, all right? But that doesn't mean, that's what they mean by sinners. They mean despicable, deplorable, filthy, scum. I mean, every anything you can imagine. And so anyway, Jesus said, Yes, they're the ones I came for. It was Abraham Lincoln who said way back in the 1860s, the Lord must really love common people because he made so many of us. Right? Anyway, so he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So that's, by the way, that's everyone. Even the the Pharisees, the scribes, I should say, especially them, you know, because of their of their self righteous, hypocritical attitude. And Jesus saw right through them. He said, "You're like rotten bones inside. Outside, you're beautiful. Inside, you're rotten." And so he knew them. He saw through that whole facade, you know, the whole front um, that they tried to put on. And Jesus said, "You know, I, I came for sinners. I came to call sinners to repentance." The word repentance is a word that is throughout the scriptures. Um, it's a word that means, it's a, it's got, there's a simple definition. It means a change of mind. It means to think differently, to change your way of thinking. But it also involves a change of attitude, a change of thought, and a change of behavior. Repentance, as Jesus used it here, would refer to a change of mind concerning ourselves. Concerning our sin, concerning God, concerning Christ, concerning our need of a Savior. That's what repent is. We repent when we come to the point where we realize I can't make it myself. I can't I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't please God anyway except by realizing I'm a sinner, confessing it to God, and trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's the biblical idea of repentance and that change of thinking, that change of mind that leads to a change of behavior, a change of direction. So we could say that repentance leads to faith and to conversion. They're all kinda, they all kind of go together. And the Bible talks about it. And Jesus t- said to the multitudes, except ye be converted. And the word convert means to turn and become as little children. In other words, little children in faith and and so on. And so um, that's what happens when a person hears the gospel and realizes that he or she is a sinner. There is that, there's that, that repentance is, is worked into their heart and mind. Yes. Again, I'm not even sure. I mean, when I was first, when I was saved, I said first saved. When you first saved, you're always saved. But anyway, when I was saved, I wasn't, I don't even know if I knew what repentance meant. But I did it. It's funny, isn't it? Like years later, I think, oh yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> All right? I realized I was a sinner, needed a Savior, asked Christ to save me. And so, praise God, Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners 
to repentance. And so praise God, that includes me. How about you? All right? And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, by the way. You know, but some, there's even something else. The, this idea of repentance could also mean a person who thinks they're too bad of a sinner to be saved. they got to repent of that. They have to change their thinking concerning that. And I've actually, believe it or not, and praise the Lord, I've actually had people tell me over the years, I would like, I want to, I would love to know the, the Lord, I would like to be a Christian, but I think I'm too bad of a sinner. I'll tell you what, man, I'll take a hundred of those any day. You know, all the, over the ones that just think they're already good, too good and everything like that. But I remember, I, I, I think of a guy all the time. He came to me once and he said, I, my wife will be reading the Bible. We need to talk to you. And, and I had, had been at a, at a funeral service and I invited folks to come and speak to me. So this guy did. And he told me that. He said, um, uh, I, I just, I, I believe there's, you know, I, I just, I'm too much of a sinner. And he said, besides this, Jehovah's Witnesses came to my house and I let them in. They're t- telling me that only 144,000 are going to make it to heaven. And he said, man, that leaves me out. I said, brother, don't worry about, sir, don't worry about that. And, I, and one thing they didn't say, by the way, if you tell some, talk to somebody and they say they think they're too bad of a sinner, one thing not to do is say, oh, you're not that bad. Don't ever say that. Because we are bad. <laughs> we are bad. The way Isaiah described Israel is the way God looks at us. From the soul, top of the head to the sole of the foot, there is no wholeness. Okay, we're sinful. We're sinners. But you tell them, yes. And I said to this fellow, I said, yeah, you know, I don't know your life, but, I, 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 but yes, you are a sinner. The Bible says we're all sinners and we're all condemned, but there's hope. In the Lord Jesus Christ, He saves. He came to save sinners. All right, and so and and as you follow, if you follow through, in the and you look at the life of Christ in the in the Gospels, uh, you know Jesus did not just accidentally encounter sinners. He went after them. I mean, he deliberately sought out the ones that were despised and the downcast and the outcast of society. Yes, he talked to he talked to anybody who wanted to, but as he went around preaching, he sought out, you know, he sought out people that were sinners and, 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 and that sort of thing. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Well, all right. Two, two things, two calls, or two aspects of the call of Christ today. The call of discipleship. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And the word followers there in that verse is the, is the idea of imitators or mimics. The Greek word translated followers in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 is the word we get our English word mimic or mimeograph. Remember those old mimeograph machines? Copies, all right? And so that's what, that's what Paul exhorted the Corinthians and Christians to be imitators, followers, of the Lord Jesus Christ, live as He lived, and so on. And one, and, and one of the one of the calls of God to, upon us is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And then there's the call of repentance, a call to be saved, a call to realize that we're sinners and that we come to Christ for salvation. You know what? Let's take let's take our Bibles one in one last verse, and that's Matthew 11. Let's go there for just a moment. Matthew 11. Um, and very familiar passage of scripture 
but I wonder today, is there somebody here that you really need this passage of scripture, all right? Um, for whatever reason, in verse 28 of Matthew 11, it says, Come unto me. Come unto me, Jesus said, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, become, take, be, my, be my disciple. Be my follower. Let me control your life and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now isn't it interesting that Christians, we, we can become so burdened. And but Jesus said that's not his burden. Do you know what you see that? He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You see, what happens when you take when you have when you have animals that are yoked together? You know, they, they share the load, right? They each contribute the strength. But that's not the case when we yoke up with Christ, because we don't have the strength. He provides the strength. He provides the power. He provides the leadership and the guidance through his word. And so it's, it's the devil and, and it's our flesh and it's the world. And it's like Jesus, you know, and Jesus was talking to multitudes here. And one of the burdens that he's talking about, those that are heavy laden, they were heavy laden by all the religious restrictions and, and things of the Pharisees. They were weighed down. And there's other ways. Sin can weigh us down. All kinds of things can be can lay upon us heavy. And the psalmist said, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain thee. See? So we, we need and we have to do that all the time. Um, and maybe every day, maybe ten times a day. But that's what the devil said. The devil wants to wear us down and you know, I tried that, I tried praying, I tried this, I tried that, it didn't work. Right, that's what the devil does. Jesus was burdened down in the Garden of Gethsemane with the weight of what lie before him. And for him it took three times to pray. It might take us a hundred. Shoot on maybe so maybe one. But in other words, but this is the promise. Remember this promise. Come unto me, Jesus said. Alright? Because as we're gonna sing in just a couple minutes, Jesus is still calling. He's not here in person, but he's calling through the word and through the gospel and, and so on and through the preaching and all that. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for this time. And we thank thee for this precious passage of scripture and the words of Jesus Christ when he said that he came to call sinners to repentance and that he said, he said come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden. And I would, Father, I don't want to, I would be lying before these people if I didn't say confess there are times in my life when I just man I feel the load I just feel the burden and, and, I, and, and I have to go to you and so does everybody else Lord and, and we can't do it on our own we don't have the strength I'm thankful Paul said I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me so help us today and especially God help us to take a stand Stand, for, stand up for the Lord and stand up for believers and stand up for the truth in this day in which we live. And we'll thank thee for it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books, please, as we...
for our closing hymn, 247. 247. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a, he's our Savior. He's our Shepherd. Let's stand. But, you know, he's our Savior and Shepherd for all occasions and all circumstances and all situations. And God knows your hearts. I think most, most everybody in the, in the room here has trusted Christ in, as Savior. If not, that's the first thing you need to come to him. Jesus is calling you to be saved, to trust in him. But then, whatever else the case may be, he says, come unto me, all you labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. Whatever that case may be, Jesus is calling today. And we, we can help. No, I, we're not the Lord, but we're the Lord's servants, and we can help if you have a need this day, all right? So let's sing. We're going to sing all four verses. So if the Lord has, is dealing with you, please let us know. You can come even as we sing. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Let's sing. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today, Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is waiting, oh come to him now, waiting today, waiting today. Come with thy sins at his feet lowly bow, come and no longer delay. Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is pleading, oh, listen to his voice. Hear him today, hear him today. 
that who believe on his name shall rejoice quickly arise and away calling today calling today Jesus is calling is tenderly calling today all right let's pray father in heaven we're thankful for thy great love for us and for the Lord Jesus Christ and thank you for the word of God pray Lord that your word would continue work in our hearts please watch over us today I do pray for your help this afternoon at this at the memorial service and for the service the evening service tonight we pray for your blessing and I pray dear Lord that everyone here today would take the word of God to heart and especially with special needs father things that they need to bring to the Lord. I just pray that you would help us all to do that. And we know that you will bless and you will help. And we're thankful and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.